Hello and welcome to the Governor's Podcast. That is so ridiculous. That's an unbelievable intro video. <laughs> Love it. That is so obnoxious. Oh, shit. How are you guys? Good, man. Good, good. Absolutely uh, thrilled to be back. It's been, what, maybe a week or so that we, we've, we've done this, so... Just yeah, trying to catch up on all the the madness that is Arsenal. Ain't that the truth? Um, there's no comments yet, so people are just speechless by that intro. <laughs> Understandable. That's what we're going to assume. <laughs> assume. They don't need. They can't. Words cannot describe the intro because what's going no. on right now. No. And if you're just joining us now, you might want to go back and rewatch the new intro for season six because it is epic. It's actually that's the only thing you need to watch, and then you can just tune out. And you guys, thanks for dropping by and watching the intro. Oh, there's Owen. He made it. Uh, he, he can make the comments, but he can't actually make the pod. What's up with that? I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, um, so, Andy, we got sidetracked by the intro. We're going to do the, the introduction to the actual pod, or should I just jump in? I mean, just jump in. I mean, welcome to the Gooners Pod, Mike. You you take it away. This was your little baby that you did today. You've got the agenda. Let's you know, let's run with it. Yeah, that's the thing. What it is is I get bored for like if I go over twenty four hours without talking about Arsenal, and my wife is like just sick and tired of listening to me. So, what I do is just nag my friends and start podcasts, and here we are. So, uh, Jared, welcome back, sir. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. Glad to be back on first podcast I've ever done with Andy. So, looking forward to it. Oh, no way. Nice. Yeah, this is. This is. I think we've interacted at certain points, but uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, no, my pleasure. You are more committed than half of our podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. I would ask you how you've been doing, but I'm pretty sure the last two weeks you've been spending on, on that intro video. So you have had zero life. You've been zoomed in. Your life is dedicated to this podcast, I assume. Yeah, I would be lying if I say I spent more than 40 minutes on that. Um, I started it like months ago. I think I sent you guys like a short teaser and mm -hmm. Owen just said this is a roller coaster of emotions. And then I finished it this morning before we went live. Um, yeah, but uh, or we could say the last two weeks of my life have just been in that. Yeah, that's where we're going to yeah. go. With. Yeah, that's All right, so, so lads. Annie, let's kick it off, man. There's one big major story that hit in. Look, it's not – we can't not talk about it despite the podcast. So we're, we're on the street is Arsenal agreed to terminate Kolasinac's contract. So he now is going to be a free agent. So do you think Barcelona with the space cap now not having Messi on their books could sign him? Uh, it's a no-brainer for Barcelona. <laughs> it's an absolute no-brainer. He just slots right in and replaces Messi. <laughs> right, right there. Yeah, dead, dead center in the middle. Just lug the ball towards him. It'd be good. Yeah. No. So, dude, Messi. I mean, did did you see this coming at all, Andy? Because I mean, if if hopefully uh, Mikey and Tom listens to this, if the feeder league was already a feeder league, I mean, how much of a feeder league can a feeder league be without Messi? 
they've basically just like taken all of their chips and thrown them onto green, which isn't even a, a color in Vegas. And they've just like completely, no, wait, there is a green, right? The zero, zero, the zero green. The zero. Right, so, oh, there you go. Yeah. But even <laughs> they put it all on green and they're just hoping for the best. I, I honestly thought last summer was more of the time he was going to leave with the whole man city news and just like how kind of quiet it went. And then, you know, when they come through and they're like, you know, is that, hey, we're going to see him on contract for two years and the possibility of him b- being an ambassador for the club is absolutely crazy. Um, and I, there's only one place he's going to end up, right? It's got to be PSG. I'm generally curious to see if that actually plays out that way because sometimes I wonder what what kind of friendship him and Neymar have. And, like, look, we, we saw the scenes in Copa America and, like, Neymar and Messi, they, they were, like, you know, buddies. They were hugging after the game, and it was very emotional. But it kind of strikes me like Neymar left Barcelona because of, of Messi. That's kind of, like, the perspective that I got. And then, you know, the joke was he went to PSG and got outshunned by by Mbappe by that time, right? But um, it's, it's a roller coaster to not see it. So rumors has it that... You know, here's the, the the noise, right? Is saying that potentially La Liga might step in, Jared. Like, I don't know how the world of football will perceive this, but it's really obvious that like Messi being such a figure, Ronaldo having left at Clasico, you know, it's it's lost some bite without Ronaldo versus Messi, right? And now they're they're facing the prospect of Messi. Do you? How do you think the world of football would react to this if, like, La Liga like bends the rules, so to say, for for Barcelona? I mean, it's not going to be good, but I, I'd say if there was ever a player that it's going to happen for, obviously, it's Messi. the The whole thing, I'm I'm kind of interested to see, to see where it ends up. I think, like Andy said, PSG is kind of the glaringly obvious destination. Uh, oddly enough, I think Neymar just yesterday or the day before posted a picture of him and Di Maria and Messi all hanging out, which you know, maybe a little like foreshadowing for what's coming. I think that's the one of the teams that could get him. He, he kind of, he, he's so good that he doesn't have any options. You know, if you're Bukayo Saka and you're, a, you're out on the market, there's 50 teams you could go play for. When you're a player that demands a hundred million a year, I mean, you got your choice of like two or three. And I, I still, if I had to bet on it, I'd say his most likely would be PSG with Barcelona still very close behind. I think there's still a way, you know, something will get worked out. Well, he'll end up staying there. And then obviously the third choice behind that would be Man City, which would just be completely ri- ridiculous. Their their second 11 would be better than our first team, most likely, uh, if he comes in. And, and the other thing on this one, how do you feel if you're Sergio Aguero? You leave Man City to go play with your countrymen <laughs> at Barcelona. You know, things are lining up for you. And as soon as you get there, Messi's like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to take off. And he's just seriously there. It's going to be an odd one for him. Well, I, you know, it, it's crazy that like ESPN just what purchased $1.5 billion to purchase an eight-year contract to show mm-hmm. the league on TV over here, which is huge. And the mass markets that would run towards Messi and then prior, you know, Ronaldo – what superstars do they have in that league? Griezmann? Like, who else is in that league right now? And and I, I think after the Grealish shining today, I think Messi, if he were to come to to the uh, to England, I think the biggest destination e- and easiest would be Chelsea because they're in desperate need for that type of a, of, of a player, right? Or I could see maybe United because they could, with the jersey sales – push that transfer through 
because obviously the wage is all they're going to have to pay. But it just makes sense that it's it's PSG. And I remember Neymar a couple of years ago, kind of squashing those rumors of like, hey, we don't get along. We're, you know, he made it sound like they were close friends. So it, it just all all sense makes PSG. But I could see him staying as well, you know. But ah, they sent that thank you Leo video out video out on Twitter, and it's just like, what what's going on? I mean, yeah, I know they're in debt, and I know La Liga just had a big cash infusion with. Uh, with with that private group coming in and buying like a third of it or something, but even still, like you you wouldn't put that thank you Leo video out if it wasn't a, like if it's not going to happen. It's strange. We're just I'm just waiting now for Leo Messi to do something on social media, you know, to give us a, a thought. Of, you know, it's crazy. And to uh, Ian Young's comments here in the in the section, he's like, Messi was willing to take a fifty percent pay reduction at Barcelona, and so. From my understanding, Ian, is that that was already part factored into the finances. They still cannot afford him at 50%. Was that 500000 a week? Yes. Jesus. Yeah, I know it's it's a massive amount of money. So, look, last thing I want – I don't want to dive into Chelsea and, and City's finances and transfers too much because I'm going to become depressed. I'm going to cut this transfer short. But, Jared, do you think at all does this – having Messi – just dangling right in front of you. Like does the perspective of Chelsea spending a hundred mil on Lukaku and city allegedly spending a hundred mil on Kane. Do you think those deals like might be off if Messi is out there and available? It's funny. I think the uh, Grealish one like just got signed and finalized today. You, you know, city's kind of looking around like anybody hang on to that receipt. Maybe we can do a quick return, bring in Messi, but if you're city, it really doesn't matter. They've got endless finances. You know, I, I think it's it'd be insane to see a team that has De Bruyne, Grealish, and Messi all in it, and like one of those guys is going to be regularly on the bench. Like it's bananas, but that's that's what happens when you've got a nation state worth of finances behind a team. And you know, think about guys like Raheem Sterling. He's been a great player there the last few years. Was probably England's standout player in the Euros. And now he's just getting thrown out with the trash as soon as, you know, everybody else rolls in uh, come the, later this month. So it, it's going to be odd to see, but I, I don't think Messi will end up there, but it's going to be just completely ridiculous if he does. I mean, let's be realistic, right? Like we're not going to challenge City for the title in a number of years. So if they get How a year or two out of you? Messi, <laughs> if they get a year or two out of Messi and we just get to watch him on a weekly basis, tear the Premier League apart, I'm okay with that. Now, if he goes to a team that Chelsea United that are a little bit more in, in maybe realistic touch, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's a little bit of a concern. Um, but I do think, Mike, to your question, I do think this stops some dominoes falling with Lukaku, with Kane. Um, but then I could also see Kane making a shift over to Chelsea because they need that number nine, and he's so desperate to get out of Tottenham. But if you're Messi, you don't want to win the Premier League title. You want to win another Champions League. So you're looking at maybe four clubs. And I think that is PSG, City, United, and Chelsea. Because um, I just don't think Liverpool could realistically afford it, right? No. Yeah, that's another good point, actually, on, on Manchester United, as much as it pains me. And, and you can make an argument that United hasn't been really linked with any specific striker that's going to cost you know, an observant amount of money. So Messi on a free with their commercial power as is actually a thing. It's actually freaking scary. So 
But dude, if, if City gets them, that's like the closest thing to a monopoly in modern football that I could see, man. Because Jesus Christ, man, what what a freaking squad! I know there was a, a team sheet circulating of like City A team, City B team, and you you could make an argument on like they were circulating online. You can make an argument that both of those teams could finish top four. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But um, before I keep on getting myself sad of the prospect of Messi going anywhere that is not Arsenal, now that he's free. Uh, we do live, I just want to say, in a world where he's a free agent and Arsenal can't approach him. I'm not saying we could sign him. I'm just saying we could approach him. Dude, so. now, now, if you're if you're Adu <laughs> and Arteta, right, oh, and you see go. the news today, do you, like, make a phone call being like, is it worth it, right? Because, like, ultimately, your wage bill last season, you could find 500000 Messi was, or sorry, Ozil was on what three fifty, and we've and so that's that was there. We haven't really signed anyone to replace that. So like, realistically, it could happen. We've got the money. Um, will it happen? No, but like you said, Mike, at least there's a chance, right? So you're saying there's a chance? There's yeah, a chance. it's like that's, this that's is the a... dumb and dumber situation, and <laughs> yes. it couldn't be more fitting that Arsenal's involved. I absolutely right. love that, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, it, it's major news in the world of football because, I mean, the, just Ju- Juve signing Ronaldo, Ronaldo deciding to leave, it was – It's I'm going to say it's less of a big story in the sense that he wasn't there since he was from a young age. So this is massive, but we'll see how it plays out. And uh, Owen, Owen says announce Benzema. So, I mean, <laughs> obviously, sooner or later, he's going to get that uh, medical done, dude. I heard – last last I checked, he's on the plane with Iguain. So uh, yeah. hang in there. So, um, Andy, keeping up with you, man. Partey and its injury. Uh, we we all know how the Chelsea game played out. I mean, it it wasn't the the best of games, but it was a friendly. I I think you're on, you side on the a friendlies of fitness type of drill as well. So not too much stock there, but there was some questionable fouls. And you know, recently I think um, Farfana got his uh, ankle broke as well, and so. Am, am I wrong to say this is like lack of professionalism? Because even if you're like a manager that wants to win a game, like you're on the same boat, you're a manager, you're a team, you're, you know, you're a player and you should know, you should know not to tackle like that. So like, do you think this is a freak accident or do you think Tuchel was like, Hey, we train like we play going hard. I think managers always want players to train like they're, you know, play like they train and go, it's tough, man. Cause I say that and I'm like, as a player, you're thinking this is preseason. I just need the fitness and fitness is coming from running. But then you got those young guys who are on the cusp and they're like, I'll make the last second tackle. I want to put in something to change the mind of the coaches watching me. Or, you know, when we go back and watch video, someone's like, Hey, that's the aggression we need. Right. So I think it's tough. So I think there's kind of a, I bet there's two minds, right? If you're a Partey, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Saka level, you're just running. You just want to get that fitness in. If you're like an El Nini down holding chambers, you're making those additional kind of tackles. It's just unfortunate. I, you know, someone put, I don't know, AFC Candon on, on Twitter posted a picture of Partey at a party after the match outside, and they said he was walking without a limp. So I'm just, you know, who knows? When I checked this morning, there wasn't really any updates. It just said scan, and then that's all we've heard. Is there anything in addition to that? 
The most I've seen is scatter reports saying it's going to be two to three weeks, but nothing concrete from the club yet. So, I mean, if we're looking at two to three weeks, he's he's missing the three the first three games, which considering taking into consideration how you look at those three games, you're like, oh, man, it's a major miss or fuck it, we're going to lose against City and Chelsea anyways. So it kind of depends on how you view those first initial uh, fixtures. But, Jared, like just taking that into consideration that – we might start this season with Partey and Elneny as our pivots again. Like, what does that do for your morale going into the season? Like, do you understand everything that's going on? Or you're like, holy shit, we really haven't, you know, fixed anything in our midfield. Well, I, I think we'll see Jaka for sure if Partey's out. And then I think Elneny's probably likely, but I wouldn't mind seeing Lokanga, at least against Brentford, a team that we you know, in general should beat just to kind of see what he's got. Cause he's looked good in preseason. Not that those games matter a lot, not that they're against really tough competition, but I think he's shown pretty well and people at least like what it seems like he may offer in the future. I don't think he's going to be a starting 11 guy this year, obviously, regardless of the business we do, but he's definitely a good substitute behind Jaka and party. Once they're both healthy. Um, as far as what happened with party, I think like Andy said, it's tough because different players have different goals in those games with some people. It's about fitness. Some people it's about, you know, trying to earn a spot on the squad. It was a poor tackle on party that put him out. So that's disappointing. But you look at, at least that was, you know, a generally poor tackle. You look at the one on Fofana preseason, regular season, no matter what, that's like an egregiously poor effort. If you even want to call it an effort, that's just way out of bounds in any game, let alone a preseason friendly. So those are the ones that really agitate me because, you know, that guy, what, he's going to miss the rest of that game and then nothing, and then he'll be back playing in their next one. Mm -hmm. And now Lester's without Fafana for, I mean, best case scenario, I would guess at least six, seven months. So you're going to be in the latter part of this season and he's going to play a key role for them. So it's just so unbalanced kind of the, what comes out of that is, you know, a red card for one guy and the other guy's out for an entire year. So it's brutal for Lester. I'm glad with party when you saw him get kind of rolled up on, you know, if it's two to three weeks, that's probably best case scenario when you're looking at, you know, likely a high ankle sprain. So I hope it's less. I'd love to see him back for one of the two tough games we have. But, you know, if he misses those three, I guess if you want to put a positive spin on it, like Mike said, you could say, well, we're likely not going to get any points from city and Chelsea anyway. So, you know, if he has to miss games, maybe that's the best time, but you know, it's, it's definitely disappointing. I do think, you know, I, I posted just a little quick joke, like our goal difference without him against city and Chelsea will probably be minus 15. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, hopefully if it's two to three weeks, that's what we're hearing now. Right. But if he is walking around with a limp, maybe it's just Brentford. Um, but I don't know that I would want to risk him coming back in such a high profile game where if there is something niggling there, he's going a hundred percent. So it's tough, man. It's a, it's a really tough start to the season. And I think what's worse is like, if we come out of Chelsea and, and city where you lose, you know, like, okay, what's well, Chelsea and city. They've spent a lot of money. They're better teams than us, but if we play well it's okay if we go out and we get, you know, five, three nil, five nil losses to both those teams this early in the season, it's just kicks you in the nuts, right? The morale booster is just, and then it takes a while to climb out of that. And then with our fan base being back in the stands, I mean, this will be truly the first time people get to take out their anger on Arteta since so many people don't think he's the choice. It's just, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. 
Do you think anybody's ever had a more important, in terms of a manager, first game when it's a game against a newly promoted team and you're a big side that they need to worry about? Because imagine if we forget losing, if we, if we even draw against Brentford, then yeah. we're looking at getting one point in the first three games. It's going to be absolute chaos with people wanting Arteta out right away. So as you know, kind of non-dangerous as that game seems, when you look at the schedule, you, you'd almost prefer to get a newly promoted team game one. It kind of there's a lot around that game. If if things go sideways, it's going to look really bad really quick. Yeah, I it's think a little even bit if of we a were to victory, right? Go ahead, Andy. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I was just say I think if we win four nil, we're still going. Well, it's only Brentford. He's not mm-hmm. the right, you know. Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's just the, the, there's no way that we can win with, with our fan base, the masses, I should say. It's it's funny you say that because I was going to make the joke like if we sign Leo Messi, he has no resale value. What the fuck? Is, <laughs> what, what what is the club doing? Jesus, do they never? You learn know what? Him? He's another it's, William. Messi would be another William. It's the same thing. But that's that's just our fan base. You know what I mean? That's like the Lee Gunner uh, mentality. It's just like I'm gonna make the most negative out of a positive. You're right. Like, you know, I, Messi for as great as he is, this you know, jokes aside, the Spanish league is not the Premier League. It's not as it's not as physical. It's not as as quick. The referees don't let as much go. The 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 you know we all joke about the nights away, but it is the weather is extremely different. You know, I mean, how's Messi going to play playing in West Brom when it's snowing? You know, like that that last season I think we had or two seasons ago where it was like the pitch was just white. Like it it's going to take an adjustment for you know for him to come to the Premier League, but. Are you saying there's a chance we could sign him, Mike? I think so. Yeah, hundred percent. He's a free agent. I mean, look, uh, aging free, uh, uh, aid, uh, old free agent. If that doesn't scream Arsenal, I don't know what does. Can, can we you like, imagine? Is there, if, is, no, is there a way that we can throw in like a Reese Nelson with the deal? I know that it would just be <laughs> he'd be like the pool boy for Messi, but is there any chance we could throw in a player? You know, Kalasinich could be his security, right? Yeah, can we throw yeah. that in? That's a good role for Kalazanac. We'll, he does that we'll a lot. Free up, than we'll free up spaces in the squad, right? And one will, one will be like his bag boy. The other one will be like the bodyguard, right? Mm. We'll get them. We'll shift them from players to like you know personnel for Messi. Dude, I, sounds genius to me. I, I I am I am struggling to see what's wrong with your ideas here, Ben. And then uh, <laughs> David Ziegler, of course. Or I'm sorry, Mikey would have me say David. Sorry, David hey, Ziegler. I, hey, there listen, I did my time. And you know, let me just get back to my life. There you DZ. go. That is true. David, it could be worse. You could not you could say you can't be here, but be in the live chat. I'm not saying any names, but it could be worse, is all I'm gonna say. So Ian. Uh, yeah, <laughs> while we're while we're in the conversation of you know contracts and, and our midfield, which uh Owen Young provided us with a question that we will get to, but Andy, Shaka's contract extension. Has the Arsenal fan base, as per usual, I'm going to say, just flipping the freak out. So I'm going to, oh, yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Rio Giannis, and Andy. Big fans. So awesome stuff, gentlemen. Rio Giannis, has anybody told you that you look strikingly like like Alexis Sanchez? Like, it's amazing <laughs> how much you look like Alexis Sanchez. Uh, okay, so I'm going to add a little bit of context into the story before I, I give you the question here, Andy. But I'm reading from The Athletic, right? Current contract for Granite Shaka ends 2023, so two more years. 
I'm looking at the athletic right now, which you should subscribe. They're a brilliant newspaper. Um, it's saying that it will run until at least 2024. That to me indicates that it was more of a, like a one year contract extension. You know, like I know that when, when it came out, it was like a, a one year contract extension with a one year potential add on, you know, optional. So, yeah. So when, when the news broke, right. And says Granite Shack is about to sign a four year contract. I just feel like the fan base are like, fuck's sake, he's going to be here until 2026 or some shit. Right. So taking that into consideration, does that change your perspective? And I mean, feel free to be nice to Shaka now that Mikey's not on the podcast, because we know <laughs> if he was on the podcast right now, he would be having a freaking fit. So let's take advantage that he's not here right now. Yeah. It's a weird one, right? Because it, what frustrates me about our fan base is we get angry over this and we're like, well, we should have sold him for to Roma for nothing. You know, we should but then we get angry because we are so shit in the transfer market. So the one time we actually tell a team, no, this is the asking price and we're sticking to it, our fan base gets upset. And listen, I don't know why the deal came out of nowhere. I mean, if Jaka could just pretend he's playing for Switzerland every week, he would just be an absolute world beater, right? But I don't know. It's a weird one for me, man, because I've always been on the I like Jocker train and I've, I've slowly fallen off of it. And I just think it's super strange that we were he was so close to exiting and then this new deal came in. I don't know if it was a restructure to help with bonuses or, or what have you to kind of help with the overall package and design of how we're going to build out other players contracts. But it just seems very strange. But I also wonder, too, was this part of a leverage deal where it shows Roma like, hey, we actually value this player, so meet the asking price, and he's yours. Like that's what I don't understand. We now have two participants of this podcast that are actually are twenty five percent owners of this podcast that <laughs> could not make the pod, but are in the live chat today. So I mean, dude, the, the lack of professional professionalism is, is just staggering. So we got this young man, Ian Young. He's spamming the chat. Can't get over his questions not been answered. So. Jared, here we go. Cue from Ian. Is it poor from Edwin Arteta that we lost one player and we're so fucked? Should we have done more in the market to protect against that? So referring to the Partey conversation. Hey, hey, Mike. He just said that Tom reads his questions out. He didn't say Tom answered the questions. Fuck, that is brilliant. You're right. All right. So you've done, Jared, I got another question 100%. for you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, are you disappointed in the in the – the work that we put in the midfield. So I can't say for sure yet because the window's not closed. I, you know, I was one, I really, after how poorly we started last season and having a good end, couldn't bring us back from that. I really wanted the team to be active earlier this window. You know, obviously that hasn't happened. So, so here we are as far as the Jaka deal, I, I guess it, it requires some context that we don't know yet. You know, if we re-signed him or gave him a one-year extension and we do nothing else, I'm not going to look at that super favorably. If you know it ends up the end of the window, we re-sign him rather than spending 40 million on a Neves, Locatelli, that type, and we use those funds and sold Willick to bring in a James Madison. You know what we've done with Xhaka is the same, but I'm going to look at those two situations completely differently because one's a massive upgrade on the squad. So it, it needs a little context, and we'll see what plays out the rest of the window. You know, I, I wasn't blown away by it certainly, but I wasn't somebody that was totally against it. And for exactly the reason Andy said, 
I, I hate when people say we don't sell well and we don't handle the window well. But then when we decide not to give Granite Jaco away for a number that's well below what he's worth, whether you think he's a good player or not, he's certainly worth more than 12, 13 million, whatever the, the number was. So I was glad to see us take a stand on that. And we may also look at it as, you know, without the extension after this season, he would have had one year left on his deal. And when we go to sell him, his value is going to be decreased as it is now. We can try and move him next summer who still have two years left and he may maintain some value. And if, you know, with COVID, the market's a little better next summer, he may even increase his value a little bit depending on how he plays. So I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't ecstatic to see him return on an extension, but, you know, I wasn't in panic mode over it. We'll kind of see what plays out the rest of the the window with our midfield. And if we do something else that may make it look a whole lot better than it does right off the bat. You'd come in, Andy. I saw you on mute. Oh no, I, I completely agree. I think I, I, I do think that Arteta and Adu have done really good jobs in the transfer windows of actually extending certain contracts. And as Jared just brought up a good point, we extended a player so he doesn't go into the last year of his contract, and then we lose him for nothing. That's what our fan base screamed about for two years, that all these players kept going into the last 12 months, and we were scrambling to get deals done, and they were allowed to talk to other clubs. Jaka not being English, or excuse me, playing in the Premier League, went into that, that, that contract last year. He could have talked to a lot of other clubs around Europe, and we know how much other teams around Europe rate him. So I think from that perspective, I didn't think about that. It's a great point, Jared. Wrong button. Uh, no, on that note, like it's it's funny that they're complaining about the granite shock. I'm going to piggyback on what what Andy and Jared said is Lacazette. They're currently complaining about the potential of losing Lacazette for free. We extend a player. They're upset that the player got extended. So, and I understand that a lot of people just add some a, a different perspective on this. Is they're looking at it like, well, he's going to be thirty. I think he's going to be thirty by the end of next year. So they're like, he's aging. And a lot of people that I hear is like, why would you pay him more? Well, a look, unpopular opinion. I believe he deserves it. He's been one of the the better players and the most consistent players we've had in the last couple of years. I know that might sound extremely painful to some Arsenal fans, but it's the truth. He's very important to the system that Arteta implies. Yeah. He was our best important. midfielder last year. Exactly. Yeah. I, and and I look, I, I completely understand the fact that Partey has been injured for a very long time, didn't have a preseason. He had a really, I'm going to say bad luck, not injury prone. Can I just point that out? I don't like the tag of injury prone because it was a freak accident. But Partey was the most integral, one of the most integral part of the, our, our team last season. So the fact that people don't see any value at all on renewing his contract, I think it's a little narrow-minded. And I, I think, um, I, you know, as I like to joke around with with our, our good friend Mikey, um, he, he, you know, I think they're still kind of hung on the whole Shaka losing his shit during the Crystal Palace or Burnley game. I can't remember who, they, who it was. I, I think they're a little still sore about that. And I know that divides opinions. I, I lean on the side where... I'm going to say I accept it in the sense that he's a human being and there, there's a, a level of abuse a human being could tolerate. And others are like, no, he has to be a professional. Just my last point on it, the way my interpretation, how it played out is the way I look at it is I've never insulted the man. So I don't think it's, I didn't take the, you know, the F off towards me. I just, I didn't see it as insulting me because I, I'm not the one insulting him. 
If, if yeah. anything, the people that are insulting him behind fake accounts should be like, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that, which would would apply that they're thinking things through, which, you know, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure we're quite there yet. Well, and as David Ziegler pointed out, and I was just thinking this too, Xhaka being our best midfielder last season is more an indictment of our midfield than praise for him. And that's totally true, right? Absolutely. Xhaka mm -hmm. should not be the best central midfielder we have at the club. Xhaka came to this club with 99% of our fan base believing he was a defensive midfielder. That was never the case. From day one, that was never the case. He's never played that position before, right? And now we look at it and it's like Jared said earlier, if this is coupled with Willock being sold on, so we bring in a James Madison, well, hold on a second. Now you're placing Jaka in the midfield with James Madison and Hardy playing behind them. Now you got a midfield that actually looks pretty good because we've all seen Jaka play very well, both at club and country, when he has a defensive midfielder that sits behind him and it doesn't force him to track back. And he can be that, that pendulum that goes from defense to offense. Then you add in a James Madison who just crazily runs around him. You know, same with Reese, or, uh, sorry, with Smith Rowe, with, with Sokka. Now we have a player where we're like, oh, damn, this is, you know, when Jaka played well, it was because those other players around him were giving him outlets. So I think you have to look at it in a sensible way. But let's not forget, dude has been our captain. He's the captain of Switzerland. We have a very young team. So giving him a small extension with a small pay rise, he didn't take a lot. He's a locker room guy, too. And that's massive. For as much as you dislike the man, you see him the first one in the huddle. You know, you saw how he was pumping up Switzerland. You see he's the first one to go over to a player. If it, it, Dude, I tell you this. If someone goes in on Sokka in the first five games, who's the first player who's going to be there bitching that player out? It's that's just who he is. Point. Right? So, you know, you got to respect him for that. But as to David's point, it doesn't mean that he's our best midfielder. It just means we need better midfielders. And I also want to point out, too, that Owen called Jock a dad. So there's something there here. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on the uh, on a different podcast. On the Patreon pod, if you will. <laughs> yeah, on the Patreon pod. <laughs> Owen and his daddies. <laughs> no wonder he's so defensive. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing Owen brought up is he thinks that he, people are pissed because of the prospect of upgrading on him. Uh, not so much dad, as he pointed out. So I, look, is this, I look, I, I will say, I will agree with Owen in the sense that I do believe that you're excited about a, a upgrade. I, I view Nevis as a potential upgrade. Locatelli, obviously everybody knows my love for Italians. And, you know, we recently got linked with Gimararish. And I'm like, that'd be freaking brilliant. All three of them would be a, a great op, uh, you know, upgrade. But do you think it's a it's a new shiny toy thing as well that that let the fan base down, so to say, Jared? Because, I, look, I understand what you pointed out and the fact that just because he signed the one-year extension and he's staying doesn't mean 100% that he's sticking around. I mean, look, if we're looking at Jack Grealish, signed a, a massive contract last year and, and look where he's playing this season. So Gareth Bell did the same, signed a huge contract yeah. knowing it, he was going to get sold on. And, and a really look, and, and not to play, not to praise Gareth Bale here and are in Grealish, but in a way, I think Jared, you might've been the one that made this, this point. Grealish kind of knew he was going to leave and he signed a contract and he signed the contract 
to help the club guarantee to get some type of financial benefit from it. So, I mean, is there anything to speak on that? Yeah, I, I put that up in a tweet, I think yesterday, because when I when I logged on in the morning, there was just a ton of Grealish hate for going to City. And yeah, that was my point is, you know, he likely knew he was going to move on, if not now, at some point to a big squad. He signed a new deal. He guaranteed that they're getting their 100 million plus windfall to reinvest in the squad. And he's been a captain and a pretty good servant for that team for a long time. So I think people show him kind of a lack of respect when you just shit on him for immediately, you know, when he goes to City because he could have easily not extended his contract, run it down and, and gone to City for, you know, half of that or less when he's, you know, as it gets lower. So I, I think he still kind of did right by the club and the way he handled it. You know, I understand nobody wants him to leave because he's an incredibly talented player and one that, you know, Villa's, regardless of the money you get, you're not going to replace Jack Grealish with a single player of equal talent. You know, hopefully for them, they can piece stuff together and, and make it work. But I thought it was a little out of order to to kind of shit on him as being a, like a turncoat that let the team down when he did a lot for them in his time there and did a lot for them also on his way out the door. And it yeah, sounds absolutely. like from today's reports, because I was listening to TalkSport a few hours ago, and it sounds like from today's reports, there may have been a deal with the ownership group saying to Grealish, like he had goals, right? He said, my goal was to be at Aston Villa, get them promoted and, and, and put them on the right path. And this has done that even more than he expected, right? With the, with that transfer fee. And I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, because he had the release clause, the club knew that that was more than likely going to be the figure. My question for you is, if Grealish is worth $100 million, how much is Sokka worth? Because, I mean, Sokka literally kept him out of that England squad. Now, I know that Sokka plays a little bit more defensively, and you can he adds that to the game. But if you're City or you're United or you're Chelsea and you're looking for that English winger, the next best thing is Sokka. And if Grealish is going for $100, i am thinking 150 to 170 well, it's I mean, hard depending not to... on how quickly he goes too. If it's a couple years down the road, you know, look at how much better Saka is now from a year ago. At right. two more years of experience onto that, he could really, really be one of the premier players that everybody's going for. That, yeah. That, oh, I look. I'll, I will delete Twitter from my phone if that when if Saka ever leaves. I just want to point that out. So. um Mike again tuning in with a well thought out comment here on the in the chat. Uh, he's our shock as our bed midfielder at being a dick. Uh, uh, Mike Ziggler. has clearly had a sip of Merlot. Yes, yes. Uh, Red was it? Uh, Merlot Mike is in full effect. Merlot Mike sure. is. Yep. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to correct us and say I don't drink Merlot. It's not that, but oh, I know uh, he does though. I know he yeah. does. Okay, even better. So David Ziegler, again, we can't get be getting screwed over on sales, so he's glad to protect the value of the player. Doesn't mean we should build around him, uh, anything like that. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to echo that. I, I can't agree more. It, it makes all the sense in the world. I do got to point this out. Look, shameless plug, but I also do a podcast called Not Another Arsenal Podcast. And Dean, who is in our live chat, listens to the pod a lot. And he says... My, to me, my wife just caught me listening and said, they're doing another one. When I told her it's a different podcast, she said, nah, I recognize that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Local celebrity like, over at Dean's house. Mind you, I, li I like the, the idea he goes, she, he, she caught him. 
Where, where are you watching these YouTube videos, yeah, dude? Yeah, no kidding. Is he like he busted into the, the door, fumbles his phone? <laughs> ah, shit. I wasn't watching porn, I promise. <laughs> She'd probably prefer he was watching porn than the three yeah, of us talk about probably. Arsenal. Absolutely. It, it did say on the beginning of the pod that we hand out eargasms. So there you go. You know, kind of on the same point, And this is just kind of a funny story of something similar that happened. Uh, it was the uh, no. <laughs> Not yet. It's coming. Stay tuned. You know, uh, I was I was watching the uh, the Gooners pod that had uh, Rebecca Lowe was on and Lee Dixon and Kevin Campbell. And every weekend morning, you know, I've got NBC Sports on. We're watching it. Rebecca Lowe's voice is in our house all the time. And as I'm watching that, uh, my fiance walks by, looks at the screen, and she goes, "Oh, I recognize her because she heard the voice." She goes, "No clue who those other guys are, though." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, just just a couple of random guys. No no big deal." Well, I think I'm it was sure Alan Lee Dixon Smith, would love that, right? I think it was What's Alan that? Smith who was telling us on the pod that years ago he was at, having lunch in Italy and some young kids came over, clueless as to his career as a player, just knew his voice from FIFA. <laughs> That's amazing, so, you know. So we all get it from Alan Smith. That's absolutely to the rest amazing. of us. We all get it, but it seems as though Mike Hers is a celebrity <laughs> in in so, certain households. Absolutely love that. I, I need as if my ego needed any more help. Here I am. Um, to tag that that story that you mentioned right now, it reminded me. Jordan once was asked about the the crying meme. If you, you guys remember, and he said yeah. to, to a younger generation, "That's they don't know him as Michael Jordan. They told him you're the crying meme dude guy." And that is just if we're we're, tra- we're talking about freaking Michael Jordan here for for us that right. know him. That's just absolutely amazing. But that dude, that's why when the generation thing, the gap between, you know, rating players and stuff like that. And I, I just feel like some of the older players get shat on so bad. And I'm like, oh, you guys are absolutely killing me. So, um, Andy, I'm going to continue on with you. And, and I know we spoke about new, new toys and whatnot. It seems that Arsenal are very much still in the hunt for an attacking midfielder. Now, I am a man that is still very much in love with Udegaard. Mm-hmm. But it took Arsenal Twitter some Madison links to say, fuck Udegaard. We don't need him. He's he's shit. We need matters. And furthermore, if you want Udegaard, you're okay with mediocrity. You're you're not, you know, you don't want what's good for Arsenal because that's always good to tag along. But it, it is quite amazing that, you know, the 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 tightest shift, Udegaard is no longer rated by a, by a lot of our fan base, it seems. But Madison's dude, do you think we could do this? Because you know, the rumors is I know you don't spend too much time on online, which is probably way way, way of a smart decision to do, but the rumor is Arsenal has, has offered up four different players, told Leicester City, hey. Pick one, and we'll add sixty mil to that. So, is is Ma- Madison the type of player that's going to come in? As, assuming we could pull off the deal, that's going to take us to that next level. In your opinion, um, I think if you were to ask people to list off five players that were realistic targets at the beginning of the Euros, he's probably not in the list of the five, right? And Odegaard probably was. So for me, when I start hearing the stories of Arsenal's offering four players plus the cash, there's got to be some truth to it. and There's got to be legs behind it. But I also wonder if this is 
hey, pump this into the media because we know Real Madrid want money. And they may turn around and be like, well, we want the 60 million, right? We know Odegaard was really valued by a lot of the coaches and the staff here. And I would take him back in a heartbeat. Uh, I thought every like every match that he played in, he was what we wanted Ozil. Every time I saw him play, I'm like, this is what we wanted in Ozil. The player who just turned and ran at defenses, but then every once in a while popped up in defense defending. So I would take him over Madison in a heartbeat, which is a lot for me to say because I love having young English players in Arsenal. But I think Odegaard is just a special talent. And I thought he jumped into the Premier League pretty well. He went into the COVID world where he probably didn't get to go out and do too much in London. And he still performed really well, right? And I would love to see him back. So I'm hoping that we're trying to leverage that deal with Madison to try and get Odegaard over the line. Because it's not very often you hear a lot of, like you hear inklings in the media of them being like, oh, we're about to sign this player or we're looking at into him. But now we're, we're starting to see a lot of money banded around. And I think that's trying to turn Real Madrid's head to be like, well, hold on a second. That's money that we want. Right? So I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, more or less. You you you, okay, you were getting cool. there. I mean, I'm going to follow up a little bit. Did with, I just um, Feinberg you and not answer the question? You just Feinberg the hell out of it, and you're not even drinking, so you have zero excuse. Yeah, I'm going to put this comment up for you to read while I ask Jared the next question. So, look, it, it, I know a lot of Arsenal listen, fans are listen, kind of worried. All I would like to say to this is, I know she's not because I like put the core form. Is that what they use? <laughs> <laughs> and she's passed out. So don't. <laughs> Why do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Jared, in a world in a world where as as a fan you're not like zoomed in and worried about finances because i know i i know that some fans you look at it and are like 60 mil too much let's go for Udegaard. he might be 30 that was like the last report coming from spain right in a world where money is not an issue and you in your mind arsenal could pull off what is needed within the squad like do you have a preference yeah, for me, it's Madison. And that's not to say I don't like Odegaard and wouldn't happily have him back. I absolutely would. But of the two, I think Madison kind of checks every box for what we need. You know, we, we lack goals from the midfield. You know, he's a guy who could come in, give us, you know, maybe eight goals next season. I think our biggest deficiency and why we can't score is our numbers in terms of chances created are absolutely terrible. And since Madison's been in the Prem, the only player in his time in the Premier League that has more chances created than him is Kevin De Bruyne. He's ahead of everybody else. So I think he kind of checks, uh, checks those two boxes right away of goals scored and chances created. I also think he's a guy who people see it as a negative, And I think if it gets to be too much, it can be. But he's got a little arrogance about him. And I think our squad could use a little bit of that. Now, you can't have 11 guys like that out on the pitch, but you've got to have somebody that has a little bit of you know confidence or swagger or arrogance or whatever you want to call it just to kind of lift everybody up. We, we've seen so many times where you watch us play and it just you don't feel like there's a great confidence in the team. And I think he's a guy that brings a lot of that, and that sort of rubs off on other players to some degree. And Odegaard, I'd love to have... I think, you know, in terms of the metrics and advanced metrics on his passing, his final third entries, all that stuff's great. The only thing I would say about him that, you know, is, I, I don't know, potentially a negative is everybody says he's got potential to be really good. He's got a ton of potential. Well, he's had a ton of potential since he was 15 years old. I, I had heard of Martin Odegaard before I had heard of Kylian Mbappe. That's how long he's been around having potential. So, you know, he may be a guy that, you know, the, 
kind of flips the switch this coming season or the following season and really takes off and is the player that we all think he has the talent to be. But at the same time, you never really know how players are going to develop. He may be the guy who's always a very good player, but never kind of hits that next level. And with Madison, I think we've got a guy who, if he came in and played, you know, started 30 plus games, you know, he's going to really want to perform with eyes on being back in the England setup for the World Cup next year. So I think he just kind of is more of an immediate fix for our needs more so than Odegaard is. So I'd kind of lean his direction regardless of the money. Awesome stuff. And I will point out Dublin Gooner, who I, I'm going to consider a normal fan is what I'm going to say is he just, he leaves a comment in our chat room and says, I like Odegaard. I like Madison. Is it possible to hold two thoughts in the head at one time? Absolutely. I, I and I think, I think our fan base would, would do good if they just, you know, tried to find a little bit more of a balance. Andy, I, I wasn't going to ask this question, but I don't, you, there's no better person to answer this question than you, Andy. And that is, if Feinberg is a, a verb now, what's the definition? If what? If Feinberg oh. is the verb now, what is the definition? I don't want to get this podcast canceled, so <laughs> um, I'm not going to answer that. Between that question and the chloroform, People better be watching this live because YouTube's taking it down immediately. Once it's over. Yeah. yeah, that is an absolute good point. And then, uh, and Daniel Robert, just, like, like Owen brought us this level, just FYI. Yes, Owen, Owen, you know what? I'm you're right, I'm gonna time him out just for the record. Daniel Robert, yeah. thanks for dropping by. And I know Berleno is a guy, so I got I'll, I'll put him up on the screen for you. I know you love yourself some Berleno. So uh, on a more serious note, Andy, as we try to be serious, uh, Peter Renner with the random one, another transfer transfer rumor that hasn't got away was Arsenal one team Ramsdale and Burge mm. for 50 mil. Look, Ramsdale, Burge kind of went away, but the Ramsdale kind of stuck around. And, and the quote is it's like 30 to 40 mil at this point. Like I, I like to assume that if Arsenal are spending that level of money, it's because they know for a fact Leno is either leaving this summer or next summer. But um, what are your thoughts on the potential swoop up for Ramsdale? Um, I don't think it's happening. I think I said last week on the pod that I think um, Johnson is more of an, uh, probably a player we would go for if we were looking for a young English keeper. Ramsdale at that much, it's just, it's not worth it. I think that's all smoke and mirrors of Sheffield United trying to get money for a player. So I don't, yeah. All right. Absolutely. We should make that a. We should make that. You know, we should do two things. We should make Feinberg an urban dictionary, and we should also put him on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, that would be absolutely brilliant. Let's uh, do it. And we could just list him at one of one of Ian's dads, because as we know, confirmed today in his live chat, he has multiple dads. So, <laughs> here's a question for you, Jared. At at what point in time do we start to panic over? Aubameyang. I know he's he's been in a, in a rough patch. Well, okay, there's an argument to be made. There's no longer a rough patch period. Simply a drop of form, maybe physically because, you know, his age or whatnot. But we got linked with Lautaro Martinez, which is beyond my comprehension. And I'm, I'm not willing to accept in any way, shape, or form that that's going to actually happen. But Rumor is, you know, the rumors were Martinez. We, you know, we were also linked with Tammy Abraham. Is there anything to that that the club is looking for a succession plan on Alba and and Lacazette for that matter? 
I mean, I'm sure they're looking for one, but given the amount of business we still have to do this summer, we've probably got five or six guys we need out the door. We still need a backup goalkeeper. We need another midfielder potentially looking at cover for right back or a new right back. I just think it's so far down the list. I just can't imagine us getting all of these things done. I mean, I'd happily take a Lautaro Martinez. As far as Obama Yang, it's a, definitely a poor run of form, whether it, there's going to be a bounce back from that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see going into the year. It would be my preference that Lacazette is the first choice striker. And I think, you know, the game against Brentford, we'll see how he does, but typically he performs well in big games. So, you know, those following Chelsea city, I'd kind of go into the season with him kind of locked in as the striker for the first three games and then kind of assess it from there. That kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of Obama Yang. It also gives him a chance to come in as a substitute and still kind of get his legs underneath him and maybe make an impact that way. And it also potentially would have us going into the season with, you know, a new captain. If he's going to be on the bench, we'll see who's got the armband. Maybe Lacazette. Maybe this will be the year we jump over to my boy Kieran Tierney, give him the armband for week one if Alba's on the bench. I don't think it's super likely, but it's a possibility. So I'm anxious to see it. Isn't Bellerin still technically our vice? I believe so. He was ending last year. One of the five. uh, I got like 10 minutes left, Mike, before I got to go do some work. Just a heads up. I can always drop. Nah, it's okay, Andy. Actually, uh, here's the last subject of the the day that I got going on, at least that my puny brain could think of for this podcast. Things tend to run a little shorter without Mikey on on the pod. Uh, I wonder why. I think there's normally wine involved. But um, Saliba's comments, dude, he's been gone for like a week or two. He already started doing interviews again, talking about the club. And essentially, look, I don't know what tone and what manner he, he mentioned it, but the club wanted him to stay in England, and he pushed to move right to France. Look, at, at the, he, the kid's not doing himself any favors at this point. Like, are you – this is where I'm at, Andy. I'm leaning towards he has more of a Guendouzi attitude. Than he does a Sambi attitude. So I mean, between well, between those two extremes, I mean, what what do you think Salib is doing and with his comments here? So dude signed for Arsenal in what 2019. He went on loan to Saint Etienne where he played 12 matches and I think he got hurt. Um, and he had 20 appearances for Nice last season, which I know was half a season. But dude, he's only 20 years old and essentially he hasn't played that much. And all I keep hearing about is how great dude is from these keyboard warriors on Twitter who have just watched YouTube videos of his highlights. I remember watching like the Arsenal under 23 game where he featured in it. He was fucking awful and like absolutely awful. So I just, he's been at the club since 2019. He's been through three different managers and coaches. If there was something special to keep him at the club and let him compete with holding chambers and everyone else because they're probably his level he would still be at arsenal and we went in and we signed ben white gave him the number four jersey which was saliba's and i know dude's only 23 so the ages are close but ben white has been playing in england and has what close to damn near 80 appearances in in his career at different levels of english football so if you're arsenal and you're saying to a player like hey we think for your level your production and your your like your growth, you should stay in England to play. He's going where he's comfortable. He's going to the French league where it's not as good. So I'm sorry, but I think it's more of a Gwendozi here. Because if you really wanted it, you would go to where the club 
best sees fit. And you would say to the club, okay, if you want me to stay in England, find me a club where I start every match. And they would have done that. Arsenal have that power to go to a League One team, championship team, and say, hey, this, this guy needs to play 30 matches a season if he's healthy. So I think he's more of a Gwen Doozy. Right. And it's just like the video of that he posted of dude jerking. And it's just like, there's just where in your brain are you posting those videos? You're, I know you're young, but Mbappe's young and we don't see that stupid shit with him either. Right. So it's just like, come on, man. Like, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not one of the guys who thinks that he's like the next best, best thing. It's just another reason to piss over Arteta and co. Cause we're not keeping him. There's just, it hasn't been anything. He hasn't done anything. Yeah, and then on the pursuit of Ben White, I mean, Jared, it, it was pretty – his agent, I think he spoke recently, and he said that Arsenal were kind of firm in their interest. Arteta and Edu have both spoken, you know, just great things about him, said that they wanted him at the club, and it, it came to be where I think Arsenal had like one, two, up to like six bids to try to get the deal done, and they were persistent, and they got it well, you know, over the line. So that to me speaks like – they they can already knew like this it sounds like they were in negotiation with ben white long before they even decided about well decided it, long before the saliba moving to france deal was was affirmed like i think i think there was already like check mark where they're like he's not going to stick around with us we're going to send him out alone so to to andy's point he he's still very much a raw talent san paola the, the manager in marseille also one of the first things he said was he has raw talent. He still needs to learn. So just are you at all, I'm going to say, I'm going to dare to try to praise the, the duel and the partnership of Adu and Atleta here. Like, are you at all impressed with the manner in which they approached Ben White, that they had the, the idea of what exact type of player they wanted? Yeah, because I think that's important. I think they identified him early on because of, some specific skills he has defensively. He's quick. He's got good pace. He's good in terms of intercepting the ball, regaining possession and on the ball. He's a really good distributor and he can dribble really well for a center back. I think we saw last year how much Arteta loved David Louise and his distribution. That was kind of a key thing for the team. And it sounds odd to say that a defender was that kind of crucial to our buildup and attack, but at times it really felt that way with Louise in there. So I think they wanted somebody that had that same skill set. And then on top of that, he's young and he's English. So, you know, he, he works for us in a few ways. It also gives us a little bit of cover right back if, you know, we, we need somebody there. I like the handling of his much more than I like the handling of Saliba. I thought last year Saliba was handled terribly. And I'm not even a giant fan of the guy, but I think we made a mistake in not putting him in the Europa League squad and then not loaning him out. It just, it was kind of a cluster the whole year. But I don't think... Edwin Arteta care about Saliba the way the fan base does. Like Andy said, he gets talked about constantly. I think he's in the very back of their mind in terms of Arsenal players and things they need to worry about because he, he doesn't play really at all for us. He's featured maybe once. He's The video is ridiculous. And if there's one thing I think I get from Arteta is that he really doesn't like immaturity. You see how quickly he wanted Guendouzi out the door and Saliba's kind of in that same vein. I don't think if you're going to be a young player excelling in the team, not only do you have to have the skill set, but you've got to be mature for your age. You've got to carry yourself well. You've got to be a professional. You look at Saka and Smith Rowe and how they've excelled at a similar age. So he's not opposed to playing young players. I think what he is opposed to is putting responsibility on people who have proven themselves to be some level of irresponsible. 
And that's completely understandable. And I was happy to see him go out. The only reason I would even not want him to have been loaned right now is potentially now we could have tried to include him in a deal to Lester for James Madison since since his old partner Fafana is going to be out. But other than that, right? Yeah, I'm happy with the loan and I hope he smashes it over there and we can sell him onto some French team next year because I think it's extraordinarily unlikely that we're going to see him come back and and play in a a major role for Arsenal. I mean, maybe he will. You never know. Things change over time. But if I had to bet on it right now, I'd say after this loan, we're going to see him moved on on a permanent sale, most likely. I think he's young enough and good enough that the club is not going to lose on him essentially mm-hmm. is where I'm at. So uh, before we sign off, Andy, I just wanted to give you a chance to to re- have a rebuttal on Mikey and David Ziegler over here. They're talking about Saliba and, you know, David Ziegler points out, look, the same logic with Martinez. Ten years at the club under Wenger, Emery, Arteta, never staked a solid claim until the very end. And Mikey points out, Emmy couldn't start that, against I'm the Munoz. one. I'm the one texting. That, that's me responding. Oh, okay. That um, was you. I thought that was Mikey. But yeah, yeah um, that's... No, that's no, no. an excellent Mike, point Mike, because I, I, that's always Mike was an argument there. that always kind of baffled me. Go, go for it, Andy. Yeah, no. I, I listen. I, I get the sentiment and the and what David's saying, but again, it's the same situation. Emmy only went into the starting eleven because Leno got hurt, and the only reason that Emmy stayed in the starting eleven was because we had a decent run of form, and Leno was yet to recover. And I've said it time and time again, Emmy Martinez is a decent keeper, but last year his stats at Aston Villa were in the low, the, the, the bottom five of goalkeepers. Leno was not. Emmy Martinez played when we were on a good run of form without fans in the stadium. So there was no one on his case. He didn't have away fans standing right behind him, giving him shit that all is psychological, like war, war, war play. So I don't buy into this, and I and I continue to say it. Emmy Martinez had probably six years of Manuel Almunia playing in front of him and couldn't dislodge him as a keeper, right? I mean, Manuel Almunia was one of the worst goalies that Arsenal's ever put in goal. There's only a, a handful of times where you could count that he like kept us in a match. So I'm sorry, I don't buy into this whole Emmy Martinez thing. And again, because our the majority of our fan base hate Bird Leno. Then it goes. It goes to say, and, and and I'll and I'll I'll stick up for Leno again. Yeah, he's shit at playing out of the back. That's on Arteta and Co for continuing to say to the team, pass back to the player until he gets comfortable on the ball. Until we see improvement, you don't do that. And if you do do it, Leno just clears forward. So I just you know I don't buy into it. And then I also want to say one more thing on the on the Saliba thing. Like he had a parent pass away right um, last last year. And so, you know, there is a lot more to that than him playing football. I mean, he could be ready to play. He might mentally think he's ready to play. But my guess is, like, he probably was in therapy and seeing a sports psychologist who could be turning around to Arteta and being like, he's not ready. He's mentally not there. So then you put him into matches where he he fucks up or he does something wrong, and then he's even lower, right? So I know last season we, we treated him pretty shitty and there was a, you know, we should have sent him out at the beginning of the season, but there was a lot in play there. And I just think it's, it's not for us to unpack and be like, Hey, Arteta and Adu were wrong. It is what it is. There was a lot happening behind the scenes, but I don't think dude has a future as an Arsenal player. I just don't see it. All right. Lovely stuff. Andy, uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure podcasting with you. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't get to do it as much as we joke around our, our schedules don't coordinate very well. 
So it, hey, it was it was really nice uh, for for you and I to be able to podcast, and you got the privilege, Jared and Andy, to podcast for the first time together. So that was pretty cool. We did. Thanks, Jared. You were awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Jared. All right, boys. Yeah, catch you later. Thanks, if you, guys. If you need to tune out right now. Tune out later, Andy. Thank you, Jared. Thanks Bye. so much for dropping by, brother. Uh, really appreciate you. Uh, you want to hey. tell the people where they can find you? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Um, you can just find me on Twitter right down there. It's at JC underscore AFC. Awesome stuff. Dave Ziegler, well done, guys, in the live chat. Chat room, thank you so much for dropping by. I really do appreciate this. I I am emphasizing, if you weren't here at the start, seriously, stay tuned for because we have one hell of an intro video that I'm going to drop out as an intro video. It is absolutely brilliant. I would say drop by. Stay tuned. Watch it. Later, chat. Thank you so much for dropping by. Till next time.